Good afternoon. And welcome to Why Is This a Thing? Documentary Month rolling on here on America's favorite podcast. America's favorite <laughs> Korea's favorite podcast. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <Yes. laughs> Ukraine's favorite podcast oh. at this rate. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Shout out to Ukraine. Uh, <laughs> hey, guys. What's up, man? Shout out. Uh, hey, what's up? <laughs> Does Ukraine need a shout out right no, now? No, they need ammo is what they need. <laughs> <laughs> Go Ukraine, bro. Zelensky's just like, I don't need your shout out. I need guns. <laughs> Apologies, I, I rescind my shout out. <laughs> hey, man, gotta laugh, gotta laugh. Make them laugh. Yeah, if you're not laughing, you're dying, you know? That's what I say. <laughs> Is that what you're saying to the Ukraine? You're spicy today, huh? You're spicy. <laughs> I didn't you're think I was, but I guess guy. I am. <laughs> Listen, Ukraine, if you're not laughing, you're dying. <laughs> Great advice, Nico. Wow. You solved war. Good job. Someone save me here. Someone throw me a life vest now. I'm too far in this hole. Uh, I can't dig myself out. I'm going to get canceled in Ukraine pretty soon. No, let's let him burn, Nick. I'll never be able to crash. (laughs) Sorry, sorry, Nico. We're backing off from this one. Okay. You're you're all on your own. Yeah, this is you. This is you, bud. (laughs) I'm going to have to join like the RT network or something. Just become total Russia propagandist. Join up with Joe Rogan. How are we, gentlemen? <laughs> we're great. Yeah? Yeah. How were your weeks? Our weeks were fine. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. What are we up it's to? Been. Anything it's happening been. in in the world? Oh, not really. <laughs> in the world? No, it's been pretty quiet. Yeah. All, all quiet on the Western Front. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Nothing? I don't know, man. We're all just hanging in there. Save me. Someone give me something. I have a whole week off next week. That's cool. Do you have any stories about something stupid you did recently? Uh, There's got to be something. uh, Something stupid that I did recently. Yeah, any time you put your foot in your mouth, you... Uh, you, Have you you, tried to put your foot in your mouth literally? (laughs) Uh, I've never done that before. putting other things in my mouth. Uh, Yeah, haven't we all? (laughs) Haven't we all? That hasn't worked out so well. You won't eat food, but never mind. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think the yoga is for? (laughs) How are you doing, Nico? I'm good. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, you're fine. I'm just getting canceled in the Ukraine. That's fine. I guess we should just talk about the movie then, since we have no opening banter. I will say this. I I rewatched um Paul Verhoeven's I guess you could call it like sci-fi satire trilogy, which is Robocop, Total Recall, Starship Troopers, and that was a jolly old good time. Three good movies. Yep. Some uh, some great movies, I would say. Yes, I would say so as well. Mm-hmm. One that the movie we're gonna talk about uh, advocates for, interestingly enough, advocates for I guess all of Verhoeven's movies to an extent. Mm-hmm. I, I had a big argument with uh some of my friends last night. Not really argument, I guess, but uh, I was talking about that this documentary as I was watching it, um, and um, apparently one of my friends was a big fan of Starship Troopers, the book, and the author behind it. Oh, interesting. And so he 
was like really pissy about the movie. <laughs> is that right? Because the movie, well, because the movie is first off like really unrelated to the book in a lot of ways, and it in some ways takes like a complete opposite stance of the book. It does, yeah. And how so? Well, it's like the the society represented in the movie is what Heinlein actually kind of believed in. <laughs> so so the movie says fuck this book well, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna take a stance of uh showing well, why that that idea he's is like pro-fascist you're saying no 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 well, highlight doesn't believe in it that's not the correct way to put well, it it was um he was i think he was taking uh highlight is the author of the robert novel. Heinlein. Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah he was taking what he believed was an obviously bad idea but he was going into it full like steam ahead like not treating it ironic not trying to be satirical he was just trying this is what it would look like if we let only people in the military like vote essentially i think was the idea right right (laughs) yes yeah and so he was just he was treating this horrible idea as completely this is real idea like what would it look like boom okay just Uh not commentating at it at all just just creating a world where that is that is the world yeah but not having any like firm stance on it one way or the other right Right. Okay. Oh, I see. Because okay. the guy, I think he was like originally like a journalist or something, and that's the way he wrote. So uh, it was very like observational, yeah, kind of like apolitical. In it. even though like a th- with a theme, but it was like also that. written right. Ma- it was it was also written like right after like the Korean War, I guess. So there, he he did have thoughts on this, but he didn't express them in the book so much. <laughs> well, Verhoeven's movie is explicitly. Like political and very charged. That's yes. the thing about very ag- right. mean and well. Also, Verhoeven yeah. is like you know, you know, one guy's coming in like off the fringes of the Korean War. The other guy's coming in forty years later, and he's a weird Dutch guy. Yes, yeah. like yes. <laughs> so. I don't think he's very. And he also he didn't read the book Verhoeven. No, he didn't. Ed Newmeyer, the screenwriter, read the book. The, the, so. Right, the guy. Well, I hope so, someone read yeah. the book. At some point. <laughs> but essentially, you're playing telephone, right? So you have the screenwriter writing. A script based on the book, and then the guy who never read the book is reading the script, and he's changing it as he's directing the sure, movie. Yeah, sure, you know. So, <laughs> but what was your friend saying about his his? Well, they were the saying movie. it was disrespectful to the source material to like keep oh. the same name, and oh, I'm like, yeah. I'm, well, I just like I don't really believe you need to be respectful to any source material. Who gives a shit? You can be. You don't have to be. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't think that is in any way a measuring stick for good or bad i think that's just what it comes down to yeah exactly. like I, I, I don't think it has any effect on the quality of the movie at all whatsoever well, that's that's the thing we so we were arguing arguing and then i go well at the end of the day though i don't think it makes it a bad movie like who ca-? and then they were just like oh yeah no i love that movie i was like uh, <laughs> why are we arguing <laughs> oh god we, we all agree that the movie's good why are we right. fighting right but yeah. i don't know uh, yeah, I, I was trying to explore Vanderhoven more after watching this documentary. And, Van, uh, Vander, Paul Verhoven. Verhoven. Verhoven, sorry. Verhoven, I keep, yes. Vanderhoven, I keep calling him. <laughs> Vanderhoven. <laughs> Vanderbilt Hoven. Vanderbilt Hoven. Jaegerman Jensen. Jaegerman I like that. There you go. <laughs> Fucking Dutchman, whatever you call him. Uh, yeah. yeah, I was try, trying to explore him a little more. Yeah, Verhoeven, obviously one of Adam's favorite guys, um, a a real sort of outlier in the in the the long and storied texture of blockbuster filmmaking. How that guy had the career he had still sort of baffles me. He's like a miracle. Yes, guy that you know makes a lot of very strange sex comedies in the Netherlands. 
um, then gets sort of, I guess, it, as described in this movie, ostracized to the United States. Uh, one of the critics in this film essentially says that most a European filmmaker's dream of one day going to America and directing American films where in the case of Verhoeven it was like no you're too fucking weird for us we're gonna send you to America and maybe they'll eat up your weird shit with a silver spoon like it was if somehow like a weird demotion for him interesting you're getting kicked out into Hollywood yeah, yeah. and then he goes like, and makes fucking Robocop <laughs> right uh, then has this run of like some hits and some bombs and there doesn't really seem to be a rhyme or reason for any of them i guess i mean his run in the 80s i well what was it ladies into the 90s because it goes robocop total recall uh basic instinct then showgirls right and then he has starship troopers hollow man and uh that's it well yeah he, he gets a gold golden globe later for l Right. Well, years later. Well, yeah, yeah, but then yeah. he fle- he also at that point he went back to Europe. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. Right. And by that point too, I think like the consensus has sort of turned where you have enough distance from it and now Total Recall and RoboCop are seen as these like great cultural artifacts and here's Verhoeven doing this weird Dutch film again. Mm-hmm. You know. Or is L German? I don't know. I don't know. It's, I don't know. Yeah. I haven't seen it. Me neither. I need to I need to check that out. The clips that I saw in this movie look pretty sick. Yeah. So um yeah so but you know had this run where he was given basically a blank check to do a lot of weird shit and i guess like it's the 90s so that helped but he's not making them independently this is not like a harvey weinstein situation where like tarantino and rodriguez and soderbergh are you know given very small budgets he's given very big budgets to fail at a at a mass level you know and again like basic instinct is a hit uh starship troopers is not showgirls is not um uh, yeah it's kind of weird that they gave him this many bites at the apple you know we don't have many guys like this anymore and i kind of wish we did because this is you know he's coming from an era where hollywood is a little more comfortable taking risks Mm -hmm. not to say that they're you know they're totally comfortable with it but they could you could the fact that you could get away with even making a RoboCop, I, I and rewatching it, I'm just like, Christ! I can't believe this movie actually got made. <laughs> like yeah. ser- seriously, it's nothing like this will ever happen again. And I guess you know we talked about this when we did Dread. That's the closest we've had since. But that movie kind of you know it failed miserably when it was out. Mm-hmm. So it's like even when we do get something that's anything like that, it just kind of goes under, which is unfortunate. But yeah. The fact that RoboCop was a hit, though. That's the thing. It was a successful movie. (laughs) That's really weird. It has a great fucking name. It does have a great name. RoboCop. But it's got, like, nobody, like, not a whole lot of, like, recognizable faces in it. I mean, now we know them, but, like, when it came out, it's like, you know, uh, who's, it's Red Foreman. Yes. Miguel Ferrer. (laughs) Miguel from Twin Peaks. Ray Wise from Twin Peaks. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. he's worked Ronnie with a lot of people from Twin Peaks, huh? I guess he has. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Ronnie Cox. I yeah. love Ronnie Cox. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, yeah, it's 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 not Arnold in Total Recall. No, like that. That's an example where like Arnold sold that movie. Yes, exactly. You know? And then Douglas and Sharon Stone sold Basic Instinct, and mm-hmm. I guess the girl from Saved by the Bell was uh, not as successful. Oh, did you guys watch Saved by the Bell? Yeah, no. I well, I I've seen it. If that's what you're. Uh, you know, curious. yeah, I've probably caught a couple episodes. I never here. like watched it, watched it. Yeah, I don't like when the I, show. I'll say that. Yeah. You don't like the show? No, I don't. Interesting. I think it's a, it's all right. I watched it as a kid. It was uh, always on at the babysitter's house when I used to get babysat before school. Now, they uh, 
They talk about an episode where Elizabeth Berkeley's character in Saved by the Bell gets addicted to caffeine pills and has like a, a, a th- that's sort of explored in this documentary a little bit. There's not much more Saved by the Bell in there. It Was that like tonally an indicative episode, it was indicative of an episode of Saved by the Bell? Or was that just like one of those like very special episodes where they like tackle like a really serious issue special episode and there's yeah special is yeah. That what they call it a special I think episode? I think so because I actually was surprised at how much this documentary focused on that yeah because yeah. it just seemed like a small moment to really latch onto and show three separate times it's kind of how i feel about the whole documentary frankly uh-huh. <laughs> well, how it just latches onto these random little things and just digs into them makes them the most important thing right. in the universe yes i did <laughs> that's yes. how this thing felt <laughs> i agree what'd you think of the movie oh man i don't know man i don't know yeah. i don't know i'm kind of still trying to square it i think the the it's it's endearing. It's nice to see these people try to give their two cents. I just hate these people who are talking about showgirls. I uh, really hate them. So <laughs> I really, really, really don't like them. Of of the this movie reminded me a lot of I, I don't remember the name of it, but the uh the documentary about trolls too. Uh Best Worst Movie. Yeah, yeah. Best Worst Movie. This reminds me a lot of that because it is sort of like you know about these people who are trying to reclaim this movie that yeah. was essentially a big failure uh but the thing in this movie it seems like they're really trying to defend showgirls as like a legitimate piece of art well some and are I some just, aren't well so, yeah, true not yeah. everybody is but yeah. i'm just i'm not sure i can buy it i i want to buy it i really want to yeah, I'm kind of right there with you. It was tough mm. because the movies I'm I'm trying to I was trying to figure out does this movie want me to agree with these people or does it want me to say like it's important to agree and disagree at the same time? But mm. that just makes me go like who who cares shrug. Um and they're like the the types of people we're dealing with here like when when Paul Thomas Anderson was in his screenwriting class and then he, he he ended up like dropping out on purpose. These are the people who are saying if you if you're here to write Terminator Two, get out of class. And Paul Thomas Anderson is sitting there like, I think Terminator Two is a really fucking good movie. I don't know about you. Uh-huh. And that's kind of how I felt <laughs> listening to these people half the time. Huh. It just yeah, it was, it was hard to get on their side. And even the way they were talking, even the way they were justifying it half the time, just made me think like. You know, it, it, for example, when they talk about the mirrors yeah. and they're like, I just love the way the Verhoeven stages these actors and the way a scene will eventually mirror it. It'll start the same way. It'll end the same way. The movie starts, ends the same way. There's mirror imagery ev- everywhere. And I, and then they cut to a clip <laughs> where there's a woman being like, I don't fucking know. Like, is the mirror imagery that much better than the, the third man or 400 blows? Like, yeah. I, I'm sorry. Lady from Shanghai. It, yeah, yeah. Lady. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Lady from Shanghai. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Yeah. So uh, I'll just say, I'll say this. Uh, one of the critics that was featured on this, the guy's name is Adam Naiman, mm-hmm. uh, is a guy that I have followed for like the last couple years. And like, I really like enjoy his film writing. He writes for uh, Bill Simmons website, The Ringer. He's on a podcast that I listen to quite often called The Big Picture. So like he's a guy that I was already accustomed with and I knew what his thoughts on showgirls were going into it. And I knew that he had a very wholehearted defense. Uh, I 
so I, I guess I was predispositioned to sort of hear him out <laughs> in a true. way that maybe you guys weren't. Yeah. Uh, and so there's that. I will also say one of the things that this movie reminded me a lot is this fucking podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it is kind of like, why is this a thing? The movie in a lot of ways. Um, there are <laughs> sure, know, sure, sure. a multitude of perspectives offered here. There are some people that think the movie is total horseshit, as we often think. And there are some people on the podcast that think like it's an underrated masterpiece, which is something we often think as well. Um, and, but the, the, the thing that I think ties the whole project together, and I think it's what sort of mirrors our own mission statement here is that they are giving this movie the benefit of the doubt. Mm -hmm. And they are truly analyzing it as though they are watching a better Paul Verhoeven movie, frankly. (laughs) You know, they're watching it as though it's RoboCop or Total Recall or Starship Troopers. Um, And not like it is, you know, a multi-Razzie winning uh, (laughs) historic bomb. And uh, I think that that's what I appreciated throughout all of it. There are some people in this documentary that think the movie is total horseshit. Yeah. There are some critics that think like it's misogynistic and uh, like really irresponsible socially or whatever. But there's some people who think that's all part of the charm and part of kind of what makes it good. And- right. But what they're all yeah. doing is analyzing the movie on its own terms. And they're not analyzing it in sort of this ironic mystery science theater 3000 way where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, look how awful this scene is. Look what Elizabeth Berkeley is doing here with her face isn't this so bad let's laugh at her yep. it's not that it's a bunch of people trying to contend with this bad movie as though it's good uh and so from that point of view i i think i'm i'm with both of you i wasn't fully convinced but i wanted to be convinced i kind of agree well, and, with I, you that, yeah, yeah. and I, I think the documentary is really well made and very interesting to watch through and yes. through whether you agree with it or not yeah, the which point is, of views are messy, but in a good way, which is kind of what I I yeah. was enjoying about it. Where it's like the 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 journey of the movie is trying to figure out where you fall on it, mm-hmm. and the movie's constantly bouncing back and forth from everything to the extremes of it's fucking horseshit to it's the best thing ever to it's maybe a little bit of both. Uh-huh. So that's what to me anyway what made what made it so difficult. But I guess I do appreciate it in that way, like you said, because I'm always trying to give a movie the benefit of the doubt. You know, it's not fun to hate a movie. It's not. So no, and then here's yeah, it's something we've contended with for 300 episodes. Yeah, now. <laughs> on the show, is it enjoyable to just laugh at something that's bad? And the answer is frankly no. Now, does that make it foolish to do a podcast where every week we talk about a bad movie? Uh, probably, yeah. This is probably <laughs> yes, a fool's yes. errand. But we try our absolute best to talk about these movies as though they're real movies because they are real movies. Yeah, you right. know, even if bad people make them. Or I shouldn't say bad people, but people that are bad at making films make them. You know, <laughs> yeah. they're still movies and you should still talk about them like movies. Yeah, I agree. So I agree with that. The, yeah. the, pro- the problem with defending showgirls is that you are you, you automatically start from uh, a very difficult uh, place to defend. Right. Mm-hmm. So the a majority of this movie with the people who are defending showgirls is them not even trying to defend that it's a good movie. They're trying to justify that it is a technically well-made movie. That's where they're. That's where they're at. Mm-hmm. They're backed against the wall, and they have to justify that the that uh, Verhoeven even knows how to make a movie for some reason. Yeah, they don't and need to do that. Yeah, <laughs> no, they should. They shouldn't have that's to. The but they thing. are. Yeah, that's but what I kind of doing. I, see. I agree with that premise on the surface. Yeah, I, I do. I, it is a technically beautiful movie. Yeah, like, I agree it with is that very too. Well yes. shot yeah. and like it's a widescreen, colorful experience and. Yeah, I, like I don't think technically that was ever my complaint. But once they get pa- once they get past that argument, 
that's yeah. where their arguments start to fall apart because that's where they're starting from. They're already starting from that that place. And on top of that, Verhoeven himself is not uh, <laughs> being very helpful in terms no. of defending his own movie. He certainly right. changes his mind a lot, which is frustrating. <laughs> I love, I love the scene yeah. where he 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 uh, says some defense of the movie, and then he goes, "Oh, you don't believe me? Well, I just thought of that one today." <laughs> he's, <laughs> kind of, you know. he's constantly taking the piss out of himself. But funny enough, that actually made it a little bit easier on the these people's defenses, where it's like this guy, like. I'm sure there's plenty of arguments leveled against him that he's pretentious as all hell. But when I hear him talk, I don't know. He's a, he's a bit of a troll. Yeah, <laughs> but he's 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 a he's a lovable you know chaotic force of nature. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. The movie even frames him as having this uh, sort of um, reputation for tricking the production companies into making his movies on their budgets, mm-hmm. right? Which back to our earlier discussion of like how did he get these movies made? Like most people consider Starship Troopers like not what the producers were expecting, right? Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah. And probably sure. sim- same with Showgirls. I imagine they weren't expecting him to try to make an NC seventeen film, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, eventually they signed up for it though. <laughs> like somehow, either through his persuasiveness or their own idiocy or a combination <laughs> of both, they greenlit it. So yeah, I mean, it's also like a movie that's very hard to like hack away at you know to get it down to an r rating like it's like what exactly do you remove here well, there's the- so much nudity from top to bottom <laughs> but wouldn't it be it, it's kind of disingenuous to be like wait why are we even trying to hack it down to an r-rated film look right. at what we're watching exactly right right right, <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, so. so you would get i think like reference to this movie like demi moore's striptease which is you know a much worse movie uh are the pots and pans okay <laughs> over there oh we're doing yeah we're doing fine okay don't worry about it. <laughs> Just checking on the Wattati winning pots and pans. Sorry, I don't. I, I guess I could turn the mic sensitivity down or something. No, know. you're fine. You're fine. It's all good. Uh, anyway, the name of this documentary we should mention is called "You Don't Know Me." Uh, it's directed by this guy Jeffrey McHale. And uh, it is a documentary, as mentioned, uh, about the making of Showgirls and also the critical response and cult following that developed in its wake. Um, It is completely done using archival footage. There is uh, there's no new footage shot for the movie. It's similar to like Room 237, uh, which is another like uh, documentary about a famous movie. Um, Senna is also uh, in the same style. They just use voiceover narration. Um, I, yeah, I think my favorite part about this movie was the way that they just kept showing uh, other Verhoeven films and yes. inserting Showgirls into it. Like, so they they kept showing like RoboCop or Total Recall, and on the monitors that they'd be looking at, they were just showing things that were like Showgirls related. <laughs> it was literally like the entirety of uh, Paul Verhoeven's uh, filmography was contending with the fact that it also has this redheaded stepchild next to it. It's mm-hmm. like we have right. to we have to talk to the kid now and exactly. see what's going on with this kid over here. Right. It was really funny. Like literally, <laughs> the string of better Verhoeven films. <laughs> Trying to come to terms with fucking showgirls. Exactly. Yeah, it is like this really cool, like, yeah, it's like his whole filmography is sitting on the shelf together. It's like a character in the movie. Yeah, you're you're yeah. watching this, you know, this this awful novel right in the middle of, like, Grapes of Wrath. 
you know, like yeah. Fifty Shades <laughs> yeah. of Grey is in the middle of that bookshelf. And that's what you're sort of contending with the whole time. Yep. And it's so well done that you actually almost like don't notice. Like, Sometimes. is it is it basic instinct? He's like looking at his computer monitor and like all of a sudden, like um, Elizabeth Berkeley's name pops up. Yeah. Like yeah. in text. And it, mm-hmm. it just blends in so well. You. You would almost be like, did, did he like have an Easter egg in the movie about this? Like, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> which obviously is not the case, but right. yeah, yeah, it, it is this. Yeah, it's really clever. I mean, the way that they sort of mm-hmm. like draw parallels, and sometimes it's non-Verhoeven movies too. Sometimes they'll just like show clips of like old noir films or whatever, uh, or like clips of cabaret um, or uh, or uh, all that jazz. Yeah, you know, Th- that was another thing that I found very interesting is. Verhoeven and uh, the Esterhaz, right? Joe Esterhaz, that's yeah. the, 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 the screenwriter. screenwriter yeah. Called this movie a musical. I'll, frequently, yeah. Frequently. Like, it was referred to before they started production on it as a musical. Like, they, they had always dreamed of making, like, a big Warner Brothers widescreen Technicolor musical. Uh, and so, you know, there's a lot of, like... Sort of uh, visual arguments that the 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 uh, the director of this movie makes. It's like, yeah, this is shot in in a very similar way to you know all that jazz and in, in the way that it's staged and in the color scheme and the palette. Um, and that was another thing that I, I'm like, oh, there's more text here than I first gave the movie credit. Now, does it forgive the fact that the Elizabeth Berkeley performance is confounding and that the script makes no sense? Uh, no, I don't think it forgives that. Uh, but like, there's a lot more intentionality than I than I first thought. Well, Paul Verhoeven's a you know, I I thought this when I saw the movie is that I was kind of stunned by how competently made it was. Yeah, you know, it's one of those movies where it, it's it's sort of a case in point where you know the the passion is there, just may, may, perhaps that extreme passion for what you're making sort of clouds your instincts and you jump you jump into poisonous water. And I guess that's kind of what happened here because it is. You you do look at the movie and the, the this documentary covers this actually quite well where it's like there are scenes where the craft is kind of brilliant mm. in a way in a way uh, and you're like oh I can't believe there's this much consideration to a shot reverse shot in a scene for example sure it's, yeah the it, break in the 180 rule yeah like that stuff I never even considered or like the staging of like they put like the devil's head behind yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. it's mm. very very interesting and it's yeah. like yes there is a tremendous amount of care and patience and just like a lot of meticulous craft going on here but it's very it's very obvious to me anyway that everyone involved with the movie is delusional to the fact that what they're actually making <laughs> is dog shit. Right. <laughs> yeah, but the, uh, yeah, go ahead, Nick. So like, um, you know, when we watch musicals, obviously, and people break out into song and dance, we obviously accept the fact that that's not really what's happening. Mm. And I think that this movie, Verhoeven was sort of trying to make an argument, maybe after the fact, that this movie was doing the same thing except without the music. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It like many is. times he was saying it's, it's sort of supposed to be sort of surrealist and like not literal. He's, he says he uses German expressionist. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. He tries, he says a bunch of shit. That know, old but, argument. No, it's, <laughs> but, but I, but I do, that but out I from do the wonder, space, the old I, German I expressionist defense. Everybody does say, and everybody does agree that Verhoeven wanted them to act over the top bombastic and if the if they kept calling it a musical i wonder if they did sort of have this idea that like we know this does not reflect reality it's not supposed to and maybe mm. it looks so strange to us because 
it's not clear. Sure, I'm not. I'm you not know, sure. A that's musical cl- number could have benefited this film. That's the question. If this movie is a, is actually a musical, uh-huh. would it have worked? <laughs> Interesting. Well, it was made as a musical on on Broadway, or at least in an off Broadway production, and people seem to like it. See, people seem to like it. Yeah, yeah. I think there is a level of camp and suspension of disbelief <laughs> that you're allowed when you make a musical, as opposed to something like this. Um, but then again, though, like I think like most erotic thrillers do have that heightened sense of of reality in them, you know, like I, I do think like Basic Instinct is a very surreal movie in a lot of ways. And we oh, sort yeah. of accept it. Um, Eyes wide shut. Yeah, yeah, sure. I, here's the thing, though, like there's the scene where they uh, which I had totally forgotten until this documentary um, where Gina Gershon and Elizabeth Berkeley are talking about eating dog food. Yeah. The, the, and it's one of the sort of like iconic cult classic scenes in the movie. And uh, the, the, the one of the, the talking heads in, in this documentary says, like, you assume that there is subtext to this conversation, but there is none. And that's sort of like the brilliance <laughs> of showgirls and why, like, it's so deliciously bad is that there there's so much like stuff in there that you assume is so <laughs> surreal. It must be a metaphor. But really, if you dig a little deeper, you realize there's nothing behind it. <laughs> See, now, so actually, that, this that is where was, I want to push back a little. Issue. Yeah. I actually kind of want to push back a little bit on that example, because when I first watched the movie, and even now, I, I always did take something away from that scene, which was, I thought the first girl was just saying something absurd to see if uh, Nomi would just agree with her. Right. Okay. Yeah. Because at first... Like, cause that's how kind of how the scene plays out. She's like, "Oh, I ate dog food once," and Nomi's like, "Oh, me too." She's like, "Yeah, mm. it's great." And she's like, "Oh, yeah, I love it." Like, it almost seems like she's just kind of trying to be her, mm. uh, regard regardless of how absurd being her would be. Mm. You know what I mean? So I, I don't know. I, I see what you mean there. Okay. I th- I think it may just be something that just like didn't didn't stick the landing. <laughs> yeah. Well, if that's the case, it wasn't executed properly because right. I think Gina Gershon plays it very very there's no like reverse shot where she we see her eyes like kind of drift away like I'm gonna get this bitch and right. so have sure. you ever had dog food you know kind of like that right 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 there's nothing indicating that she's at all trying to trick her that's that's the issue there but it's a great idea Nick actually right that's just that that was just how I took it the first time but like who I, I could be fucking wrong I don't know, know. I don't know I don't know <laughs> Verhoeven's a nut no, I think Verhoeven is the one definitely wrong in this yeah case. yeah <laughs> there, there's no <laughs> there's no way we could be more wrong than that guy <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah I mean there is there is some good craft I think uh, Adam Naiman at one point in the doc says like if the if the criticism that you levy at this movie is that the editing is bad or, or if the you know the production design is bad or if it's technically bad you're a fucking moron i think he actually says that and i i do agree with him on that level now he does make some arguments in here that you know i think are uh are well-intentioned yes but fall flat mm-hmm. like he talks about how in verhoven movies uh if there is copious amounts of violence it is seen as satire where if there's copious amounts of sex it's seen as exploitation and you know or that he's seen as a pervert as if perverts can't be funny you know (laughs) and i do think that is an interesting idea i think in general like sex movies are more so seen as like uh 
you know, uh, things for pervy 15-year-old boys. Not like, oh, biting satires about, like, the, the, the human condition. Whereas movies like Starship Troopers or RoboCop, even though they are similarly made for 15-year-old boys are seen as like this, oh, like anti-war allegory. And I think that's like the difference between European cinema and American cinema Mm -hmm. is that American cinema, violence is our main weapon uh, when like making these points, when bludgeoning the audience with these points. Mm -hmm. Whereas in Europe, there's a lot less violence. That's why if you watch like British TV, there's a lot of boobs in it and there's not much like stabbings and shootings. Uh, Because in, in that culture, sort of sex is seen as the taboo that you can sort of satirize and play around with. Yeah. Um, so I think that is right. Where I will disagree, though, is I think the vast majority of people watching Showgirls for the first time are watching it because they want to see a lot of boobs. And I'm not sure the audience is 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 in on the joke in the way that Verhoeven or a lot of the critical community is. Well, he describes uh, – I think the guy that you're saying made this argument who made this documentary, right? Um, he describes his introduction to showgirls as his friend who is like his guide in the art world mm-hmm. told yeah, yeah, him yeah. to watch this movie. I think so, that was so, I think that was the other guy. I think that was the guy that did was the, that DVD the other guy? commentary. Yeah. David okay. uh, Schumer? David something. Yeah. Dave, yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. But yeah, I think it does depend on like your framing going into this movie. There's also the critic. Uh, I don't remember her name either. There's there's a lot of people featured in this, and they don't show any of their faces, so it makes yeah. it very difficult. Because and some of them voiceover. have like similar Canadian accents. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's all voiceover, too. so it, right. it really is tough to know when one person stops talking and another begins. Right. Um, but there is this female critic who talks about this movie, and she said she rated it two and a half stars. And she's like, I tried to give people the proper context to like go into this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I. It does matter. Right. Yes. What, it does. what you're expecting out of this movie. Versus, you know, so here's what I'll say, knowing just anecdotally the download numbers on this podcast showgirls to this day remains one of the most downloaded episodes we've ever done. And it's one of the ones that sort of like took off on YouTube. People visited a lot. Uh, I suspect I suspect I don't know for a fact, but I suspect the people searching for this podcast are interested because of the sexual element of the movie. I don't know that for a fact, but I do know that we have done a lot of like box office bombs and a lot of Hollywood disasters and a lot of cult classics and almost masterpieces. None of them have done as well as showgirls. Mm. And it seems like the one thing that showgirls has over the rest of them is the amount of boobs in it. You know, so like this is all again, anecdotal just based on our, our own download numbers, which is a small sample size and my knowledge of how the internet works, which is it's generally made of a lot of like pervy dudes. And <laughs> I suspect that people are not searching for our podcast or thinking about the movie or watching the movie in that sort of like clever satirical way. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, well, I, I was, cause you're, you're, pro- there's certainly a, 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 a certain chunk of those people who have downloaded that episode that did it because they're fascinated by showgirls, I would say. But people are also, you know, complicated, but very easy to predict in other ways. Uh-huh. And yeah, I would probably assume that there's a, <laughs> there's a, a, a strong population that are just interested in the, in the nudity as well for that reason. Because yeah, I, 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 think, I think this falls though into the, the foot in the door scenario. Uh-huh. I mean, that might be why people show up, but, you know, 
is that why people stay? Like for even oh, the movie Showgirls, okay, right? See, yeah. Maybe you show up for that, but is that the reason people keep talking about it to this day? I don't think so. People don't keep talking about Showgirls today, 20 <laughs> years later, just yeah. because there's boobs in it. Like That is true, yeah. That might be what got people to watch it for the first time, but... Um, Another, I mean, that's what got us to watch it for the first time, frankly. It was sure. just we talked about a movie with a lot of boobs, and we're like, what is the deal with this thing? Okay. Obviously. Another, if, another episode that's done very well for us after porn ends. Ah, uh, there we go. You know, I, I, that's just, again, small sample size, but that is the pattern that I have seen but emerging. It falls into the same thing as you could argue a lot of YouTube trends. It, it, you get the clickbait thumbnail. Sure. But, you know, it, are people staying for the video? That's a good. Question. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, and again, after porn ends, we talked to the the director of all three of those movies. It, you know, definitely did not set out to make a clickbaity movie about porn. I mean, there's definitely mm-hmm. like a lot of thought and and reflection and introspection that goes into that movie. But I'm just saying from an audience point of view, the 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 vast majority of people do not watch movies the way that critics watch movies, and I think like. The arguments that some of these critics are making are generous to say the least. Now, should it matter how people are watching it? Maybe not. No. Uh, but like, I if if Paul Verhoeven is setting out to make you know feminist arguments in this mm. movie, I think it's kind of falling on deaf ears. <laughs> I think for sure it's falling on deaf ears. You know, He's saying like if it, this isn't the the movie to to make those arguments, essentially. Is yeah, I. I, I don't know, like, if it's I interesting. to make a movie about misogyny with more boobs and, and vaginas in it than any mainstream Hollywood movie in the 90s, I, like, I understand, I understand the intentionality, but most people are not going to watch it that way. Most people are going to watch it because they want to see the boobs. And a lot of people are going to go there in the case of, for example, Gene Siskel, who comes across very poorly in this movie with his review of Showgirls by saying, ah, you know, that Elizabeth Berkeley, not that attractive. Actually, Gina Gershon was a lot more attractive in it. That's going to be the level of discourse around it. You know, you're going to have a lot of people saying, I came here for a sexy comedy and it was the least sexy thing I've ever seen. Yep. And it's like, well, well maybe that was the point, you know? Well, that's what I find interesting, too, is one of the guys mentioned uh, during Elizabeth uh, Berkeley's sex scene with Kyle MacLachlan that um the audience is full of like you know women like gay men lesbians and (laughs) by the end of the sex scene nobody is even remotely turned on right but again you could argue that is precisely the point sure okay and i i I don't know i think that with this movie sort of midnight movie cult revival in san francisco at drag shows that i think this movie has found its audience hmm yeah, it has. I, maybe. Yeah, fair enough, I guess. I I just see B- Basic Instinct, which is a very sexy movie. Mm-hmm. I at least think it's a very sexy movie. It's perverse. It's fucked up. I mean, I don't oh, think yeah. I should be turned on by it, but I am turned on by it. So I know that this guy is capable of making, like, really alluring, tantalizing stuff. And so I think, yeah, if you watch Showgirls, which has more boobs than any of those movies, and you're not turned on, I think rather than just shitting on the movie and dismissing it you should be asking yourself well why am i not turned on maybe it was intentional and i think definitely it was intentional Mm -hmm. to an extent yeah yeah Yeah. so yeah i don't know i i just i i I respect where some of these critics are coming from i just don't think like people are ever gonna get it you know oh yeah (laughs) i just don't think people are gonna get it 
<laughs> and I'm not sure Paul Verhoeven gets it to be downright honest with you. Well, no, I think he ended up always, making but... a movie for an audience, but he wasn't when he was making the movie. I don't know if he really knew who he, who he was making it for. Mm. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? Said. I think he was just kind of exploring something and it just kind of stumbled into its audience years later. He's <laughs> trying to reclaim the movie, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure the reason the movie's been reclaimed w- match up with his intents when making the movie. Yeah, that's true. Definitely not. That's true. Yeah, definitely. You know, not. right. But can so, you blame him for wanting to reclaim it at this point? I guess you know, mm. for every, no. for every, for for his for his you know difficult as of a time as it was probably and, for him. You know, well, to his credit, he's taken all of the negative uh, reviews in stride. Sure. Over the years, he showed up to the Razzies. That's for one that, thing. That's amazing. And that's which fantastic. they talk about in this. And yeah. uh, he also, I think, made some. There's some indicators in this documentary that he made some serious efforts to insulate the cast, the actors, from the negative reviews, saying it was my decision. I wanted them to act this way. They did what I asked, essentially, and this was my direction. So, yeah. uh, poor Elizabeth Berkeley. Yeah. Was sort of, you know, blacklisted from Hollywood after this in a lot of ways. Like, nobody wanted to cast her. Hmm. But I, I think he made some efforts to be like, no, this was me. Mm. You know? he t- yeah. Did it work? I don't know. Probably not, obviously. But did you guys at all, at all, gain a little bit of sympathy for Elizabeth Berkeley during this? Did your feelings yes. on her performance Actually, change in any way? Yes, yeah. 100%. You got to go back to 95 or 94 or whenever and Verhoeven, what he had he made up to this point? Elizabeth Berkeley, where was her career going? I mean, like why wouldn't she have signed on to this movie, right? Yeah, it's viewed as the logical next step. They actually make references towards other performances that had come out before a, where you a know, lot you of get, female actresses they're they're young and sweet with their kids but then they have to break out of that Lindsay and, lohan doing i know who killed I me i can't believe that fucking clip showed up in this selena movie. gomez doing yep. spring breakers, spring breakers yes. yeah yeah there's a i mean you can even talk about the miley cyrus wrecking ball yeah sure uh music video was like a logical it, it's it's because when you're treated as like the the disney channel you know star and you want to be seen as a like adult actor. That's what a lot of people do. Is it a good thing? There's argument both ways. I would say it's probably a- not. <laughs> it generally well, seems pretty yeah. harmful. But yeah. <laughs> that the only way for the audience to view me as a grown up is to show them my tits. That's no, probably I mean, not that. The best, that is a very. You know? I think. Uh, <laughs> I think that's kind of a very lazy way of explaining a more complicated <laughs> view on this. No. no, but I do think that it, but it's a little yeah, troubling to me anyway, but I'm oversimplifying but, it. Yes. But yeah, uh, for I, comedic effect, but I, I, <laughs> my, my point being is, yeah, like they're, they're the only way to sort of, uh, right. Not get stuck in the Disney channel zone and to prove that you can make it as an adult is to do something a little more sexy and alluring. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, I think more, People want to do work for adults so that they're not being seen as the person who does work for children. Right. But why you know do they I mean? have to do this is the question. That's the other Why thing. is it always well, sex, yeah. right? That's the, that's and I think I that like just here. comes down to Hollywood predators. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, you know what I mean? But, I see, think... men, but men don't have to do that, right? Like they're like, you know, Ryan Gosling or whatever or. Pattinson. Yeah. yeah even we were Pattinson. talking about Batman. Sure. You know? 
Right. Um, I mean, he was able he comes to just, off like, of Twilight and then jumps into the lighthouse years <laughs> my, later. And my my feeling is that men, uh, w- women have to pit play strippers. Men have to play drug addicts. Is kind of like the the answer <laughs> because that's usually what happens. Right. You know. Wow. So right. if you start off as a kid, that's where you go. You know. <laughs> that's really interesting. I mean, Ryan Gosling did Half Nelson, so there you go. You got to write that book. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm getting on it. <laughs> I think that's the new name of this podcast, actually. <laughs> Men play drug addicts, women play strippers. That's pretty good. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. It's, you can call it. You can call it hooks and needles. There you go. Ooh, ah, great! That copyright that shit right now. <laughs> this, is, this is what I'm good. At. I'm good at that snappy. <laughs> Thank you, Nicholas. <laughs> uh, what I will say about her performance, though, like, like on on because it's the, and they talk about this in the movie. It's so easy to make fun of showgirls, and perhaps that's not fair. And one of the things that I came around to was like, this is a really fucking fearless performance for someone like her yes. at this point in her life. Yes. And even though I don't think it's a good performance, it is a fascinating performance, hmm. and. Because of her and her situation and her just her journey with acting, it's hard not to respect the choice, I guess. So I do I do give her credit. She was kind of hung out to dry by Verhoeven, too, I'll say. I mean, this is a movie that is so fucking extra. It's like there's there's no like Meryl Streep could not have come in here and like brought like a sort of groundedness to the story. Like it's it's such it's so in the clouds, like the only way to meet the movie on its own terms is to do the most intense fucking thing in every frame. Yes. You know, so there's no like underplaying it. And so that's where I kind of feel bad for her is I feel like the role itself was just not right. That being said, she is very fucking intense. And there were some scenes in this where I'm like, Jesus Christ, lady, turn it down a little bit. Uh, I, I, I was telling Nico before the show, um, after I finished this doc, I had a little bit of time before the pod. So I did pop on Showgirls again and just watch some of the opening scenes. And it really does just feel like this surrealist dream when she gets in the guy's car to go to Vegas and she just pops out the knife. I know. The it's way just like, she does holy it. shit. I, the way he almost drives off the road and crashes into the semi. <laughs> yeah, there's no no chill at but, all. But there's just but one of the things one of my favorite things about this doc though is how they mentioned like the weird hard to articulate idiosyncrasies where you don't know why it's weird or wrong. It just kind of is. Like like they and I remember watching the movie and thinking this very same thing. Yeah, she's sticking out her thumb, but why is she sticking it out? that way it's, right. it is a little odd yeah. and then when she breaks out the switchblade the way she mm, it just pops her chin up and kind of holds it in front of her it's just no like no one would do that it's like it's like i see like i vis- visually it makes sense to me but why did you do it that way mm-hmm. there's a lot of that in the movie and particularly with her performance mm-hmm. <sighs> so yeah there is this fascinating hard to touch thing about showgirls that makes yeah. it so alluring it's a heightened experience yeah, definitely yeah, yeah. and and yeah i wonder you put some show tunes in there maybe we're looking at it as it as the next rocky horror picture show when you think about it as an actual musical with yeah. songs yeah, maybe maybe right. yeah. possibly yeah. one thing i also took away from this doc and uh this would just be really for the pot, I think. But like, it made me want to watch Mommy Dearest because I had never heard of this <laughs> film. Oh yeah, we should do that for this pot. I'm surprised it hasn't come up yet. Faye Dunaway is out of her goddamn mind in that. Yeah, movie. yeah, yeah. Just yeah, the, yeah. the clips they show from that film look insane. 
it's kind of an exhausting watch. <laughs> yeah. But it's we compa- yeah. we compare it with Little Miss Sunshine for some levity. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Little Miss Sunshine. That movie's that movie uh, breaks my heart. You like it? <laughs> Does it? I, I do like that movie. I hate you people. <laughs> Suicide? Oh god, yeah. That's I, such a, I, I like it. Paul That's Dano. a funny movie. Paul Dano before he became the Riddler. Yeah. No. Dano We'll talk about Batman planning on a podcast <laughs> coming soon. Don't you worry. I think that was Paul Dano's first ever blockbuster, the Batman. <laughs> oh boy! Oh, ooh. and it. I mean, he rises to the occasion. I will say that. Has he done a blockbuster before? Oh, oh, how do you define a blockbuster? Uh, franchise IP cost more than a hundred million dollars. We okay. forget he was in the Girl Next Door. That's a weird one that he showed up in. The movie that nobody remembers. Uh, Got to be honest, I have not seen that movie. Say, he, he, <laughs> yeah, he was, in, he was in Prisoners, right? Yes, he was. Sure. That's not really a blockbuster. No, but it's not a blockbuster, but that's a big movie still. I mean, Yeah, sure, sure. It's, it is a big movie. Oh, I guess he was in Cowboys and Aliens. He was? <laughs> oh, yeah, he was. <laughs> oh, Lord. So I take that back. I forget about that movie. Oh, it's weird to think about how like there was a brief moment in time where people thought that was the next big thing. What? What? Cowboys, Cowboys and, Ali- and Aliens. Yeah. Oh, John Favreau directed. No, there was a time where that was like the next big thing and then it just fizzled out and it was like it was fine. It's good. May I read you the cast of Cowboys and Aliens? It's a good cast. It's a really good cast. It's a great cast. <laughs> it's a great movie actually. And, tr- and try to imagine them pulling this off again today. Right. Daniel Craig Harrison Ford, <laughs> Olivia Wilde, yep. Clancy Brown, oh my God. Paul Dano, Sam fucking Rockwell, and that's pretty much it. <laughs> Wyatt Russell, Walton Goggins. Wow. Goodness gracious. Clancy Brown's in it. I have not seen that movie since I saw it in theaters. Uh, I, I think I probably caught it on cable. That's, that's funny. Like, because this was, I think, Favreau's first movie after Iron Man, right? Yes, it was, which was kind of confounding to me, but. So that was his blank check. Interesting. (laughs) We talked about this movie in one of my film classes. (laughs) Man, I wish I was there that day. Cowboys and everyone in the class does like, like (laughs) a simultaneous, huh? It was so funny. And we were talking about like genre blending and stuff like that and how you can do it with anything so easily. Look at Cowboys and Aliens. But that's literally not like it's based off of a comic. So it's kind of a stupid point to bring up in a movie class. Also, it's not genre bending. Get the fuck out no, of here. It's a comic, not, not bending. It's a comic Bl- book movie. It's a no, comic book movie. That's genre what it is. blending. It's because there's a cowboy and alien. A and blending. It mean it's a blend. <laughs> No, it's not. a sci-fi and it's a western it's, it's not fucking kill bill relax <laughs> like, like take a chill pill speaking of john favreau I, I told you guys i've been watching monk and he appeared in one episode as a as a murdering dentist i just wanted oh, to yeah, share that with right. you john favreau's the killer dentist it blows my mind spoiler going, for going monk through season four <laughs> <laughs> episode seven or whatever the fuck 
It took me a while to realize he's uh, the clown that George knocks over in Seinfeld. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love when John Favreau pops up in places when you're it, watching old shit. I now, love that because now he's like <laughs> fucking God on Earth. It's, it's like you this know what guy. I mean? This guy w- will essentially own Star Wars. Yeah, this guy this has clown. The keys to the Millennium <laughs> <Doctor>. <laughs> literal clown. Yeah, but he played so many silly, stupid fucking roles in like TV episodes and shit back in the day, and now the guy fucking runs Disney Corporation. I mean, (laughs) I I know it's no, you because you're right. You actually see it happen in real time. Like you see him do because he he was on like a lot of big shows in bit parts, and then he does swingers, which which, like it's like oh, you can visualize visualize this guy in a diner writing the script to this. And somehow convincing Steven Spielberg to give you money to do it. And then you slowly see him. He does Elf. He does Iron Man. And then now, yeah, again, character and, and, the yeah, Falcon. Very smart and, guy. And you really do, and he really <laughs> does, like, slowly climb the ladder. Slowly, methodically, but surely. Right. Just, you know, it's not just, like, overnight sensation kind of. Right. It I don't know, man. I love slightly, Favreau. Very off topic, but it, Seinfeld made me made me think of it. You know the uh, Festivus for the rest of us, and there's the scene where they're sitting down and having dinner. You know who's at that table with them? Uh, I, I do famous Let, famous playwright and now actor. Yes, it it is uh the 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 guy that did August Osage County. <laughs> yes, and, yes, yeah, yes, uh, yes, uh, yes. Uh, uh, Tracy Letts. Yep, Tracy, yeah, <laughs> the guy who wrote uh uh, uh Joe what? Uh, Killer Joe Killer Joe and, yeah right. Yeah, uh, yeah. Tr- Tracy Letts is the at the OTB. He's the guy behind the counter that uh, <laughs> that Elaine. Remember Elaine keeps directing the phone calls to the OTB, oh, yeah, and yeah. he's the guy behind the counter, and that's yeah, how. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tracy Letts. Yes. I love that. Detail. I love. It's it. a great like Where's Waldo game when you watch uh, old Seinfeld. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. Uh, yeah, cool. What else? What else about uh, you don't know me? Uh, I I liked Kyle MacLachlan coming in and uh, explicitly saying like, "Do not let anybody tell you that they were trying to make anything other than a straight drama." <laughs> he goes, "Do not believe the lies." <laughs> Everybody thought they were making a dramatic film. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Kyle MacLachlan. Yeah, me, I love boy, that man. guy. He is the man. Yeah, isn't he? We gotta, I, I, we gotta get you a picture with Kyle MacLachlan one day. We could oh do it. I God. think. Oh we pull this my off. God! I think he would gladly do it too. Although that There's, means, I mean, Nick, though, have you? You're not, you're not a true Kyle MacLachlan fan if you haven't watched all of Desperate Housewives. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you're right. <laughs> oh, another time and place show. Yep, <laughs> yep. Desperate Housewives. <laughs> Growing up, my mother watched every fucking episode of that show. You're lazy. And you're a whore. <laughs> <laughs> and I would just walk in like, what is going on in the cul-de-sac this week, ma? I don't mind that show. <laughs> it had its moments. Yeah. Oh, Adam. Yeah. <laughs> my tastes are very weird. <laughs> yeah, Adam, Adam just watches female TV. Gilmore Girls rocks. Gilmore Girls. Gilmore Girls slaps. is the fucking shit. Fucking I love slaps. it. You also I love that The show. Bachelor. I do watch The Bachelor. Yeah. <laughs> Masterpiece. Housewives. Masterpiece television. The Bachelor. No, yeah. it's yeah, it's either GI <laughs> Joe Core. <laughs> what the fuck? Like it's either like you GI Joe Core or Barbie or Barbie. Right? Yeah. Or like yeah. Or 
Sure. QVC. <laughs> the QVC crowd. Like th- that's your Venn diagram. <laughs> yeah, it's uh love it or list it. Great show. Great show. Yeah, like love it or list it. You've seen one, you've seen them all though. Who can no, that's that's the best one. I ride for love it or list it. It's better than Property Brothers, I'll give you that. Yeah. I do prefer like there's a decision at the end at least, you know? Yeah. But it's it's true. Did I tell so, you guys about the show where um I don't remember what it was called, but it was uh you either um you meet with a wedding planner and you meet with like a home uh like a realtor and uh the couples they're like about to get married and about to buy a house and at the end they have to pick do you want the house or do you want the wedding? Uh, and it's hilarious because this this show seems premiered. like a pretty easy call every time. <laughs> so this is what's funny about it. The show premiered in like 2019 or 2020 I think it came out, but it was filmed in 2019. And almost every single episode the guys constantly talking like, oh, the house, you know, I love the house. And then at the end, they go, we've come to an agreement. Yeah. We're going with the wedding every time. <laughs> and then it's like six episodes, almost every single one. They go with the wedding. And then in the end credits, there's this little line that says, due to the COVID-19 pandemic, the wedding was canceled. <laughs> like Every fucking episode. <laughs> it's like, man, you really should have gone with the house. <laughs> Uh, really should have like, went with the thing that has value. <laughs> That's so funny. But every time, too, you could tell it was like, it was one of those like, oh, we've come to a compromise. But it's like the type of compromise where it's like, all right, I want the house. You want the wedding. And you're the wife. So you get the wedding. Right. It's that, that kind of Nick, compromise. It's the old Nick compromise. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I told Michaela I want a dog. She said she wants cats. So we agreed to get cats. Two cats. <laughs> Two cats. Oh, God. I would love it so much. <laughs> how it goes that's it i want to (laughs) see this is so stupid i want to see more uh movies where major story points happen at the very end of the credits (laughs) yeah (laughs) that that would crack Mm. me up right it's like it's like about some kid like triumphing over all these like that he you know and then at the end it's like the next day he had a brain hemorrhage and died (laughs) (laughs) it's like like they could do that. Can you imagine all- at the at the end of Star Wars Episode Six, there's like the next day Luke had a heart attack. Exactly. <laughs> the Jedi died with him. <laughs> After Empire, it's just like, well, they ran a paternity test. Turns out Darth Vader not his father, <laughs> not the father. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Directed by more. It was actually somehow Admiral Akbar. <laughs> like they could do that with the alien movies. Like at the ending of Aliens, at the very end of the credits, you just list Newt and Hicks die, and that's that. <laughs> that's literally what happens. They they die and, and crash and burn. There's your movie, people. <laughs> uh, all right, <laughs> let's play a game. Oh, sure. <laughs> How many Drew Carey? All right, pick one. Haven't we must have done Berkeley? Uh, I don't remember what we did for the show Girls episode. Because I well for for Dune we probably would have done McLaughlin. Feels then, like right? we did McLaughlin at some point. Yeah, it would have. He, we would have either done him for Showgirls or Dune, but. Mm. Uh, I don't know. 
Uh, I guess uh, Paul Verhoeven is an option. I'd be down to do Verhoeven. Yeah. 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 I guess we can go with that. I'm trying to look through our our list. Yeah, someone we did. Really... Kyle, we did Kyle MacLachlan for Showgirls. Oh, oh wow! Okay, so we could do Berkeley. All right, Berkeley it is. Okay. I wonder if we did MacLachlan twice. That's very possible. Oh no, <laughs> that is incredibly possible. Oh, we might have done Sting for Doom. Yeah, I was gonna say. I, well, we oh either, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, we either did Sting or we didn't do anybody because we had Dan on, and I remember like usually when we have guests, sometimes we we skip that one. Mm. Uh, all right, Lizzie Berkeley. All right. Lizzie uh, Burkle. I got so it. Her most her. recent credit is on the reboot of Saved by the Bell, currently on the Peacock Network. Ah. Are they bringing Screech back from porn? Isn't he dead? I thought he's oh, dead. Oh, did he die? Yeah, he's oh, dead. <laughs> oh, God. All I remember was he was doing porn. I didn't know he died. <laughs> yeah, he's dead, man. Uh, oh, that's horrible. <laughs> so he did Saved by the Bell. <laughs> this guy did Saved by the Bell. Porn and then died. And then death, yes. That's <laughs> and then they rebooted the show. What a way to go out, though, you know? How do you reboot the show after Screech is gone, man? I want to see a CGI-faced Screech. I want to see I'd... a hologram Screech. <laughs> what do you... What can... I'd love to meet the animator who's like, I can't believe I'm fucking doing a CGI Screech. What has happened to my life? They're using frames from his sex scenes to, like, reassemble it. (laughs) Was he in that? I heard he wasn't in it. He just directed... Or was he in it, but he also directed it? It's confusing. Excuse me? Directed what? Didn't he direct his own uh, uh, porno? Porn? I don't know. I thought he did. I I guess I'm not invested enough in the... I think if you make a sex tape... Oh, it was a sex tape. Oh. (laughs) Right? By definition, you you are the director of your own sex tape. Well, that's true, yeah. I wasn't sure if it was I'm a, not sure uh, unless you're like a Kim Kardashian and your mom is directing. Well, for some reason, scene. I thought it was like a like a separate porno. <laughs> like he was he was the actual director. No, I believe it's a sex tape. It right? is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Tommy Lee's a director. I think by definition, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not hard to get the director credit, Adam. It's actually <laughs> I guess that's quite true. easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, it was very strange when Chris Jenner's name direct <laughs> p- appeared at the end of uh, the Ray J tape. That was a big accusation. There was a, oh a book, like a tell-all book, written maybe five or six years ago, where some fucking jerk off was like Chris Jenner orchestrated the release of that tape to get her daughter fame. Possible. It worked. It's possible. Yeah. Probable. At the. I, I mean, three chess. The foundation was already laid for that to work. Right. After Paris, right? Mm-hmm. I believe it. Uh, all right. I will say Elizabeth Berkeley again, not a ton of credits on the old IMDb over there. I'll say like $2 million for Burks. It's going $5 million. Okay. $1. One. <laughs> Damn it. I hate you. I hate you so much. I hate it when this happens. Ugh. The actual net worth of Elizabeth <laughs> Berkeley, for all we know, I mean, it's probably not accurate because she has not done much in the last twenty years. But according to the internet, six million dollars, Adam Ooh. Hall, you just won <laughs> this week's edition. How many do you carry? Nick cheated it's his all, way out of this one with that. It's all those showgirls action figures. Oh god, <laughs> the showgirls. <laughs> A lot of revenue from those musicals that they've been putting on. It all goes to Elizabeth Actually, Berkeley. I don't know. Well, yeah, I wouldn't go to her, I don't think. But no, I do wonder if they actually make some decent money off of those. 
I'd, I'd love to track the life of that woman who is obsessed with playing her now, whoever, whatever her name was. She was kind of interesting. Mm. I liked her. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. Good doc. <laughs> you should track this one down. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I like it. Uh, it uh, there is still a lot of nudity in it as well, though, I will warn you. So don't let your kids watch this. Yeah, one, don't guys. watch it with children. <laughs> don't watch yeah. the showgirls stock with children. Please. A lot of cl- a lot of clips from the actual movie. Uh, I think you can stream it on this thing called Hoopla, which I did not realize that I had, Hoopla. but I have it. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> what do you mean you? Had- I didn't know Hoopla. I had Hoopla, but yep, I have it's it. Kind of like crabs, you know. <laughs> That's what streaming services are. <laughs> No, I guess you get it with your library card. If you have a library card, you can <laughs> you can get this thing called Hoopla. So what the fuck? I put my library card in and it worked. Are you telling me the library gave you access to to boobs? That's correct. Wow, Lots aren't there a bunch? Of, wow, wow. Yeah. That's where my tax our community our communities are going to be up in arms about this, right? <laughs> what the hell's a library card, Nico? <laughs> Guys, I've started going to the library recently. I'm not kidding you. I'm like really into the library now. <laughs> what? Yeah. Re- I just like go get books and shit. What? Yeah. I can't tell if he's serious. I'm 100% serious. <laughs> I'm in t- I've gotten into the library again. I thought li- See, I'm a bona fide capitalist, so I go to bookstores. <laughs> yeah, that's and I great. I buy my books. That's- I like getting free shit, so I go to the library. You commie bastard. Dude, I, w- I went to the library. <laughs> this is yeah, I think like last year I went and I had like a an old library card and I and I like got a stack of books and I went to the counter and I gave it to the woman and she looked at it and like she squinted because it, it was like such an old, outdated <laughs> like, Did she I give even you know- a new one? <laughs> yeah, she's like, Yeah, this isn't gonna work. Oh no. <laughs> I had to go through the whole thing. <laughs> It like expired in in the Bush administration or something. Oh my god! <laughs> so got got myself a fresh library card. I've never had a library card. You should get one. Yeah, yeah, I think so. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Uh, yeah. you, you can you can get movies there too. If you're not into the whole reading thing, uh, readings. Yeah, they, they got I, they got DVDs and Blu-rays and shit. And uh, apparently, documentaries about showgirls. <laughs> yeah. I don't get it. Why do they? Whatever. What? 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 <laughs> Hoop, what is Hoopla anyway? It's a streaming service for people with library cards. <laughs> there actually is also okay. a um, <laughs> there there's actually a audiobook um service as well where you can um essentially put in your library card and get free audiobooks. Yeah, there's there's Excellent. stuff like that. Yeah, That's library funny. card, man. Don't 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 sleep on it. Don't sleep on the fucking. There's some perks. Card, I just like going to Barnes Noble too much, guys. Just, yeah. I mean, it's been like $20 yeah, for like a fucking paperback. Yeah, that's true. But I Heaven, got, is, Heaven is a bookstore, Nico. That is true. I'm just telling I, you right no, now. There's nothing better than browsing a bookstore and then going online and getting the ebook. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like that's what I do. Oh, I can't do that. No, I mean, <laughs> I like look around. Oh, that looks interesting. I'll just get the digital version. I need the physical book. Yeah. I need it. And then it feels right. It's just great to be outside. In the summer, reading a book is the best. Yeah. Although, if you need a book, I recommend going to griffinsroostbt.com, which is Katie's bookstore. Oh, oh what a plug. Whoa, wow. 
Holy shit. Not bad. I actually just ordered three books and a custom notebook made by Katie, I believe. Look at the king Ooh, of the puns From that over store. Here. Wow. Uh, arrived in great condition. It was packaged in a box that I presume was a toy for Katie's son, which was very cute for me. I thought that was very adorable. So, <laughs> ah, wow. Griffin's Roost BT. Let me see that notebook. Com. I'd love to Let see, see that, that notebook. notebook. Yeah. Let's, let's check so, that Bird out. cages. She drew that? Wow. Uh, no, 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 no. I don't think so. I don't think she drew it, but uh, I don't know if she made it or not, but I, it's, I think it said custom on there, so they're... I don't know. That's, it looked nice. That's nice. beautiful. I love give, it. Give me this site one more time. Griffin's Roost BT. Do they have all the Dune novels, Nick? Uh, definitely some of them. Okay. It's very important that you have the Dune novels. <laughs> Gotta see what's going on with the Fremen. That's just... <laughs> uh, all right. That'll do it uh, for this week's Why Is This a Thing? I love you. So very, very much. We'll be back with more documentaries next week. Do they have the Dune novels, Nick? We're waiting on the uh, They seat. have Dune by Frank Herbert. All right, that's fine. I'll take it. Right. Yeah. That's the big one. Yeah. <laughs> the big one. Yes. No, no, no. It's the second one that's the big one. Come on. <laughs> Until next time, you've been so very, very naughty. Uh, naughty. Naughty.